Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. All right. Um, this is a this is a fun episode. We just had like 30 seconds of what are we gonna talk about? That <laughs> got me all excited. <laughs> We're the only ones that think this is a fun topic, I'm sure. <laughs> well, this has been a little bit of a joke in my day, which is like I can talk about hard shit and laugh and joke, and it's amazing. And that's part of the joy of being um willing to look at life the way we coaches are willing to look at life. Like it doesn't make it any less hard or you know whatever I'll just stick to the word hard we also just are able to to have fun with it and laugh about it and and be curious and playful so that's what we'll do today um our guest today Maureen we originally connected it's been like a bit of a you know reschedule reschedule <laughs> reschedule and um and here we are today and as always the timing is really perfect um there were a few episodes back that I will um, link to that where we talked about resentment. And so as Maureen and I are coming together today, we just did a little reflecting on what's still left to talk about resentment. And the truth is we could talk about resentment for the rest of our lives and there'd still be more to talk about. <laughs> yep. But I really, I think we're going to have a good conversation Um that has yet to be talked about on this podcast. So Maureen is also known as the um, brain bullshit coach. <laughs> and um, I did record something with her that I'll link to. But my favorite way to do this podcast is for you to introduce yourself in whatever fa- way feels right for you today. And then we can dive into our fun, weirdo fun conversation. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for having me here. I'm always um, up for talking about this kind of stuff, just like all the other coaches, right? Like we live and breathe this stuff. I I am. So I call myself the brain BS coach. And really, I think of myself more as an educator and uh, starting like a movement as a thought leader to get Mm. people thinking differently and to recognize brain BS when they see it. So that's what I'm doing now. And then I'm in the progress, in the process of creating a course that helps people to deal with that brain Mm, BS. And mm -hmm. my goal is to make it super affordable and accessible to the masses as a foundational piece of work that everyone needs to do before they try to create something new and different. And I think that I can really help it to be way more economical and way more efficient and way less suffering. I have a question that popped into my mind as you were talking. It's a question without a clear answer as most are. So it's just whatever comes to you. (laughs) What percentage of our brain firings would you say are habitually BS? (laughs) Well, I would say that, I mean, living consciously, 
We do that about 5% of the time. That's with the research support. So 95% of the time we're on automatic subconscious programming. The, the average individual that doesn't make living consciously a focus, yeah. that's what's happening. So all these people are creating all these things and all these results in their life. And they think it's all happening to them because they have no idea that they're creating it and that they have the ability to change it, which is what my work, that's what my mission is to let people know that. So even though it felt like a question that was vague to me, or like, I guess you actually had more of a, like an actual statistic. Yeah, three generally, most of, most of the spirituality wow. coaches or the people that are working on living consciously, it's mm-hmm. some, it'll vary a little bit, maybe 96% instead of 95. Mm-hmm. But the primary idea is we're not usually operating at an intentional level we're just caught up in our subconscious programming that we inherited when we were little from our parents and we have no idea we inherited anything we just think that's who we are okay that's interesting do you um do you have any any idea what evolution of that has looked at what or has looked like like how many hundred years ago was that statistic different? Like, do, do you know what it, I'm saying? Like, that'd be yeah. fascinating. Well, it, so it's just <laughs> changing now because look at all the coaches that are here now, right? Look at all the people that are making this a priority. So it's changing with For the sure. intention. There's, there's no research that I'm aware of to support like an actual number difference but you see so many more people talking about this now than did well, yeah even for sure 10 years ago. I guess I'm more curious like with the industrial revolution or with the introduction of uh, capitalism in a society like all those kinds of things like um what was their impact on like how much of our brains operated from programming? I don't know. I'm, I I just went way too deep with it. I'm just no, like, no. Actually, curious. I did, and I think I could answer <laughs> that. I think zero. Okay, because then that suggests that circumstances are what cause us to think consciously or not. Well, mass programming is a circumstance, so more accessibility. So, for instance, if this was if we if we lived. 300 years ago, we have less, less um, programming outside of our conscious, like day-to-day survival. I don't know why I picked 300 as just a random number. Well, okay. So (laughs) we all have subconscious programming, no matter whether it was the industrial revolution or it's today. It's just maybe not as much. You're not as impacted by as many things, but you're still going to have that same programming. Like for the first one to seven years of your life, you don't make decisions for yourself. You don't think about things or create your own thoughts. You get them from the environment that you're in. Uh, So it doesn't matter if you're farming and living Mm -hmm. off the land or if you're like, parents are glued to iPhones because it's just a percentage. It's not like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. Well, that was a fun little tangent. Um, (laughs) uh, Okay. So um, 
So we had initially scheduled this conversation to look more at resentment because it is a thing a lot of people in my audience, um, either consciously or unconsciously, struggle with. Um, and the question, there was a sort of title, I don't know if this will end up being the title, but the title, as Maureen proposed a conversation today, I thought, oh, so the title of the podcast is when you think you don't have resentment. And I would love for you to share some of your evolution in realizing that there actually was a lot of, so would you call that like subconscious behavior coming from resentment, subconscious thinking, which leads to subconscious behavior, coming from resentment that you didn't wouldn't have called resentment. You wouldn't have titled it that. Okay, so the way I look at it in terms of subconscious programming is we all have filters that we get when we're younger. Mm -hmm. um, and then because of those filters, like mine was, I'm, I did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Another one I had was I've been wronged. Mm -hmm. I had a third one. These are my three favorites was <laughs> I have, um, there's 10 kids in our family and yes. I'm number nine out of 10. So I would say nobody cares what number nine has to say. Like that was my, those were filters that I looked at life. And because you have these filters, you operate a certain way in the world. And one of the things I did was make everybody else a priority. And I people pleased a lot. And you wouldn't have called it. No, it wasn't resentment then. Yeah. Because it, it it's like breeding grounds for resentment when uh -huh. you don't take care of yourself and you don't take care of your own needs. And I actually went through most of my life thinking I was exceptional because I always sacrificed myself yeah, for everybody yeah. around me. I, yeah. it's like resentment doesn't really stand by itself and it's hard to spot mm -hmm. because there's so many other things involved. But I think one of the biggest things that's a red flag that you might have resentment is self-righteousness. And I had a lot of it. Huh. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I went home to take care of my dad. Why did I have to do it? Why am I the one that is always there and always taking care of everyone? And and I have these thoughts. Like kind of like, I'm the savior. I will fix yeah, everything. Yeah. I'll take care of it. Sort of like a martyr. I'll do what needs to be done. Yes. And kind of victim-y flavor. It mm -hmm. has a victim-y flavor, right? Okay. So you operate in life like this. You're doing all these things for people. All your friends are telling you how amazing you are. Like when I came into my blended family, all the sacrifices I made, all the things I was doing, trying to make everybody else happy, including the ex-wife, um, was exhausting mm -hmm. and I couldn't keep it up. And it leads to these negative feelings that you have for people. So at the mm -hmm. time, I thought it was annoyance, irritation, ah. um, dislike, frustration, but a, a huge amount of it was self-righteousness. Uh -huh. And why can't everyone be more like me? Why mm. am I the only thoughtful one? Like it was mm. so disguised, <laughs> right? It like sounds like I'm so great and so noble. And then I started looking at this work and I had all, I've had these feelings my whole life for a bunch of different people. It's like a theme when you have when you have this sort of um, subconscious programming. So it was when I started at the life coach school um, and it took me like two years after 
starting this work and doing a lot of work prior to that. And I still had no idea that I was full of resentment. Absolutely none. Mm. And then I got coached by Brooke Castillo. And afterwards I was looking at all the notes and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I am full of resentment. And it was so shocking to me. And, And then I started looking up resentment and finding definitions. And I was actually relieved to find out that I can only generate resentment inside me And it literally has nothing to do with the people around me. And all these years, I thought everybody else was the problem. And that's why I was resentful. That's such a good one that people can relate to. Everyone else is the problem. Oh, whenever you're thinking everybody (laughs) else is the problem and you're feeling self-righteous, I guarantee you, you are harboring resentment. And then Brene Brown Mm-hmm. talks about she had somebody on her podcast I don't remember the details but she was surprised to find out that it's in the family of emotions that come with envy yeah I remember that. so I kind we of at first didn't that. quite understand that but what it is is you're so envious of the people who can take care of themselves and mm-hmm. speak up and aren't doing all this shit that you're doing for all these totally that you envy them for that and it yeah. just, and you resent them yeah. at the same time, right? So it's, it's all kind of tied together and it gets really murky. And I think one of the best ways to really know that it's resentment too, is you love the people and you don't understand why you feel so negative about them. Yeah. You're just like, what is going on here? Like, why are they triggering me so bad? Why am I being well, so negative? I'll just use my now? own abortion experience because it's really obvious. It's not even hiding the envy piece, right? It's like my husband was very supportive of my decision and I still had so much resentment because I was so envious that it wasn't that he didn't have the body that had to decide. He didn't have the body that had to carry the pregnancy. He didn't have the body that had to make this choice. It's so much envy that this got to be so easy for him. It was not easy for him. It was just as hard a decision. (laughs) Well, whatever. There's no comparing, but it was also a hard decision for him. But it turned into moment, little moments of resentment everywhere where I just like was kind of mad at him. And like you described earlier, like, annoyed irritated like like I just didn't like him and really I was just so jealous that like this man in my life could just get away with never having to decide what to do with his body (laughs) like in this way so I mean I think in the case of abortion which is the topic of my show and my all of my work it's not even hiding that much it's like it's pretty obvious once people like zero in um it's right yeah, there I, yeah <laughs> I think in in that case it the is envy also, connection. Like, well along the same lines but kind of different I when I married my husband I was older mm-hmm. and we I did infertility treatments but mm-hmm. I only did one of them and I was very very on the fence about it very unsure my mom was dying at the time i just got married into this blended family i had to use an egg donor because i already went through menopause at 39 i just found that all out so it was a really tumultuous time and 
I was trying to get him to do this with me. And he already adopted his two stepdaughters from mm. his prior marriage, had two daughters together, and was very scared and nervous about how it would impact the family. Mm -hmm. So was I, and I made the choice to put everyone, I wouldn't say that I put everyone else's needs totally, you know, took care of them totally, because there was a part of me, I've never, I've never like fantasized about the day I was going to be a mother. It was never a driving force in my life until I met my husband and I loved him and I wanted to do that. Mm -hmm. But there was still some resentment that it was my choice. Yeah. That I had to be the one to make yeah. it. And what would the impact be on our family if, exactly. if I did that? Yeah. So I, oh, well, I harbored resentment for him too, for a lot of things yeah. and couldn't understand how I could be like these, these mixed feelings for someone who's trying to be spiritual and open-hearted and loving. Like you have to identify resentment to get rid of it. Yeah. I just thought of a really sneaky one. I had a lot of resentment and probably still do <laughs> for people who um, uh, I'm going to use the word pushed. I don't know if it's the right word. Pushed their religious agenda on my body. There was a little sneaky part of me <laughs> that was envious that they just, it was easy for them to be taught what to think and they just decided to believe it. Whereas I'm the kind of person who like, Someone teaches me something and I'm like, ah, it doesn't feel right. And I question it and I turn it and I do the work of coming to my own conclusion. And I remember in my pregnancy kind of wishing that I was like, if I were just like a devout Catholic or something, I wouldn't have this choice. And I was like jealous of people who felt like they didn't have a choice or jealous of people who lived in a place where they couldn't make the choice. It was not real envy. It was not real jealousy. I wouldn't have actually chosen something different, but it did turn into that flavor of resentment that's like annoyance, dislike, distaste. And even then, if I'm really honest about it, it was coming from this like, well, it would be a lot easier if I were you. <laughs> that yeah. kind of envy place so it's a I hadn't really thought about that angle well definitely resentment and here's the other thing and I'm gonna bring this up because I'm the brain bs coach but resentment comes with judgment yeah. there's a lot a lot of judgment and I had a lot of judgments about my stepdaughters and other people but there are some devout catholics that are choosing to be devout Catholics. Like they actually believe. Oh, for sure. What they've learned. So it's, it's, so it's almost like, um, the biggest lesson that I've learned since I started to uncover my resentment and become aware of it is first to get super curious about it. Like I see it now when it comes up, whereas I literally couldn't even see it before. I just thought it was everyone else annoying me. So there was nothing I was doing in my brain, but now that I notice it, I just like really try to uncover it. And it it is a process. Yeah. Like that was a year and a half ago, I think that I really uncovered it. And I was tapping and doing things this morning 
yeah. on guilt over the judgments that I made of people I love yeah. when I didn't know anybody, right? So then you have guilt. Totally. totally. So all these emotions, like you can't even separate them. But I really think resentment is a really huge one in relationships mm -hmm. when you can't speak up for yourself and get your own needs met. Yeah, yeah. Or when you're, as you mentioned earlier, just a real strong people pleaser like that has become a habit for you for a lot of women please. especially right yeah. like we're yeah. raised to put everyone else's needs first and when we don't yeah we go through all these different things and it's 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 so much more uncomfortable like resentment grows it doesn't mm. just stay the same Mm -hmm. it builds True. to the point where like, <laughs> we had an incident in Santa Barbara at our house there in my closet and we call it the meltdown in Santa Barbara in my family because I had been sick I was sick here in Illinois at Christmas I'm really sick it was just before COVID it wouldn't surprise me at all if I had COVID because I've never been that sick I acted like I was perfectly fine through the whole holiday I drank wine I entertained, I made all the food, I did the Christmas shopping, I did all of it. And I remember being in my room being like, oh, please, dear God, just get me through this. Just get me because I was so tired and felt like I needed to take care of everyone and I had to be fun. Then we extended it to Santa Barbara. The kids were here for three weeks, adult children. Then they came to our house in Santa Barbara after that. And then one of them wanted to extend her stay. And I just, that's when you melted blew. down. <laughs> oh my God. I sounded like Lucifer in the closet. <laughs> like I was just, I never felt so horrible in my entire life. And that's what resentment does. It eats away at you. It, it, so even just the span your... of those few weeks, it grew and grew and grew and grew until the meltdown in the closet. Well, it grew and grew for about 20 years. Well, yeah, I'm just saying, but right? even like if you was... zero in on those it was Three because weeks, I was sick, like being so sick. And then I also, at that time, had just started going back to spirituality more. So I kind of felt like it was being broken open. Like there is no going back after that. There is yeah. no acting like I'm okay with the way things have been. No boundaries, <laughs> no limit setting, people pleasing. Yeah. It was like, it's time for Maureen to stop doing that. And it was messy. Uh -huh. And ugly and uncomfortable conversations and trying to figure out what I needed to feel better. And that started with Eckhart Tolle. Mm, that was my first transformational book. Oh, which one? Gosh. Which one for you? A newer. Me too. Yeah. I and actually it wasn't my first spiritual book, but it was the first one after the meltdown. Oh, okay. That was the first one that just really cracked me in a way I hadn't been cracked. Not Wasn't it such a relief when you, like when I read the chapter that were not our thoughts, I was I just, just like, oh my God, yeah. you know, it was like, it, it, it just completely, in fact, I went to see a therapist when we got back from Santa Barbara and after two sessions, I called her and said, I'm going to just read A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, <laughs> but thank you for everything. She's like, what? And it really, it was the beginning of yeah. all of it and the life coach school. That and... was the beginning of a lot of, for me too. And I actually tried to read the power of now later and which other people have, that's been their transformational book. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, but it was really a new earth for me. That was like, <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I just, I love the idea that we're the observer of mm -hmm. our mind because mm -hmm. I had like, so I would get crazy thoughts in my head because I was so full of anxiety from the people pleasing. So that ties into yeah. resentment too. Like yeah. it all snowballs, all these uncomfortable emotions. And I would just get these weird impulsive thoughts in my brain and I hit them mm -hmm. because I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like, why am I having these horrible thoughts? Like one of them, we had a second floor deck at our old house mm -hmm. and I would take our dogs out there and I'd be like, what would happen if I threw one of them off of here? Yeah. You know, and I absolutely adore my dogs. So yeah. this scared yeah. the shit out of me. Yeah. Then I started Googling about it and I read that, oh no, there's a lot of people that have intrusive thoughts that are shocking and terrible. And it's just something that the mind does yeah. and the ego does. And it was just like, all this becoming aware that I'm not really, none of us are really different. Yeah. We all have the same things, whether we want to admit it or not, but I like to admit it. So other people have their permission to do yeah. it too. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I know no science, psychology, psychiatry. No, I know nothing about intrusive thoughts, but I never, I had a thought as you were talking that I've never had before. And I'm curious about, an intrusive thought like that's really interesting and super common for people postpartum. Um, and a lot of the hormones after an abortion are very similar. It's an interesting way for your brain to grab like a, almost like a moment of power, a moment of relief, a moment of um, change of state. Like I'm thinking... I'm kind of thinking like, what is the, what is the reason a brain goes to an intrusive thought like that in a way that I've never thought about before? And there's always a reason. <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting because you read A New Earth. So I thought it was really interesting when Eckhart talked about schizophrenics. Mm -hmm. oh, I mean, I don't really, when you that. think about it. So he talked about schizophrenic because he was, he was following a woman on the train and okay. she was talking and, and attending to all this internal stimuli. Sorry, I have an OT background and worked in psych, but she, she's listening to yeah. her voices and interacting with them. And then she ended up going in, in the same building as him. And okay. it made him realize like we all have this narrator in our brain, this voice that talks to us. And schizophrenia is just like that voice on steroids. Yes. And the person doesn't know that it's not them. Exactly. It really believes. Mm -hmm. Well, it knows it's not them, but it believes it's a real um person or power that's telling them to do something so mm -hmm. I the same with intrusive thoughts I would imagine is that it's some sort of like you know I'm sure it's neurotransmitters in your brain and that sort of thing but also just this um I, I mean a lot of it's hormonal right and and so that's like the tie between the psychological the emotional and the physical we had, that's why we have to take care of all three mm -hmm. in order to, I mean, I remember Brooke Shields long time ago when she mm -hmm. had her baby, she had postpartum depression mm -hmm. and, and she wanted to harm her baby. Yeah. Because, it's very uh, common. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And it's such a terrible thing for a woman to have to experience when yeah. you hear about the joys of childbirth and how amazing it is. So I think that's also 
part of it and with resentment and all the other uncomfortable emotions that we think we're not supposed to have them, but it's just not true. We all have them to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all very fascinating. <laughs> As always, I love going down the little rabbit holes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So let's say um, there are listeners who who think like, oh yeah, resentment's not, after all this talking, they think resentment's probably not an issue in my life. What might it sound like in their heads if it is resentment and they're just not interpreting it that way? Okay. So I have a good example for that and it's siblings. Okay. Okay. So, um, so we have 10 kids in our family. Everybody has different personalities, different roles and stuff. So we have one brother that we call the Phantom. Okay. He just disappears and he's very elusive and he just kind of comes and goes. Uh-huh. If you're like totally pissed off at your brother for being who he inherently is. Yeah. That's a sign that there's resentment lurking in there somewhere because probably you're the one that's picking up the slack because yeah. he's being who he is and that's all he can be. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's where it's like, he's the problem. He makes it hard for us. He's makes everyone wary. (laughs) And it's not usually for us. It's for me. It's Uh a very personal Mm self-centered. Is Mm -hmm. it like when I was reflecting on it before we came on here, there's almost like a certain um, narcissism about it. It's just like me, 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 me. Like this is happening Mm. to me. Everybody's doing it. So true. And total preoccupation with yourself when people aren't behaving the way you think they should to accommodate you as if you don't have any control. Like I literally didn't think I had a choice when my parents needed something. Mm. I had to do it. And it wasn't until I realized that I was robbing everybody else of the opportunity to take care of them that I stepped back and I realized like it. So my resentment came, the knowledge came to me in steps because at first it was like, realizing let other people do things quit being the martyr mm. but now you're you gifting just... them the experience which is also yeah. kind of martyrly <laughs> they <laughs> loved it they got yeah. to experience something that they didn't get and they they hate they didn't want to do it because I was in healthcare. Mm-hmm. so when my parents were aging and they needed help I was the obvious person to help yeah. them and it was super uncomfortable and awkward for them and that's why I didn't want them to have to experience that but when I stepped back, it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. What it did for them. And they were actually grateful for it. But yeah, there's a certain arrogance mm-hmm. to resentment too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's say you start seeing some bits of it. Um, I mean, along the way, we've we've dropped lots of lots of um pieces of the answer to this question. But let's say you start seeing some pieces of it, like, wow, I do, I do have a lot of resentment that I haven't looked at um what do you think we do about it once we see it like what did you start to do about it just keep noticing and paying attention and having compassion for yourself like what happened what helped you instead of going um, from I have all this resentment I'm a bad person (laughs) how did you right like what what do we do with it that's that's healthy and useful Um, I think so like for someone in the audience who wants to feel better quickly about it, 
Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of projection going on, right? So mm. you're projecting your thoughts onto other people. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. And then mirroring is when somebody else is reflecting something you do, but you don't see it in yourself. And typically those are the behaviors that cause resentment. Yeah. So I would take, I would find the person that's really bugging you that you think is a major problem in your life Yeah. and make a list of all the things about them that bug you, that bug you. Yeah. And then look at that list and see how they're doing all that. And right next to it, put how it impacts you, what you have to do because they're like that. Mm -hmm. And then look at how you feel about those things. Yeah. Because it's whenever it's, it's not resentment typically, unless it impacts us in what we believe is a negative way and requires us to sacrifice our own needs right. for other people. Your tongue is so loud. Um, is that, I, I'm making the face that the listeners can't hear because I'm just like, my head is scanning. Like, is that true? Is that true? Is that true? I mean, I'm just going to go with believing you, but I'm trying to think back like, Okay, yeah, like with my very obvious envy and resentment of my husband who didn't have to go through the physical experience or the emotional experience of choosing abortion. Yeah, it was I did I had to do the thing. So yeah. Okay, I get well, it. Well, okay, but you just brought <laughs> up a really good point and that's a beautiful way to like finish it so that it really works. Okay. So you identify what that person's doing that annoys you. Yeah. And then you write how it impacts you. And then you write why you're why you're jealous of that uh -huh. person. Yeah. And then when you see that you have envy there and annoyance, then you can start to recognize that these behaviors that they're doing, you kind of wish you could do too. Yeah. So it's like, I have to do it. He gets off easy. Really, I wish I could get off easy too. <laughs> Yeah. Or yeah. like I have to, so for in my example, mine would be my brother, Donnie never mm -hmm. comes home to help my parents. Mm -hmm. And then what's the problem with that? The problem is I have to go then. Mm -hmm. And then why am I jealous of him not going? Because I wish I could speak up and take care of myself and make myself a priority. Like he does on a regular basis. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. And then when you see that you start doing step-by-step little things that other people can do super easily, especially the guys in my family without even thinking twice about it. Yeah. 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 I mean, <clears throat> I am positive that lots of people can listen to this episode, get out a pen and paper, and figure out some things that have been in the way. <laughs> um, but is there anything else you feel like you haven't said that feels important to say? No, I think I kind of touched on it that and resentment, envy, no emotion comes from anybody else or their behavior. It always comes from within us. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that you're not entitled to feel the way that you do, but just understand that you're generating that feeling by the way you're thinking. And it's also sort of like in your subconscious programming from those filters when you're little. So you can't just do thought work to figure this stuff out. You also have to uncover that subconscious programming and you have yeah. to get rid of some of those emotions and feelings. But honestly, it is so 
worth it because you literally, if you're full of resentment and people pleasing and making everyone else a priority all the time, you literally do not have peace. Yeah. And when you do yeah. this work, like you can handle anything because you have peace of mind and you're not full of this negative yeah. emotion that's there yeah. on a subtle basis all the time. Yeah. So it's like, I'm generating this feeling and there's a good chance if I can't figure out why I'm generating this feeling, which a lot of times we can, if I can't figure out why it's coming from some old unconscious programming, subconscious programming, like in your case, as a child, which is like, um, no one cares, I'm number nine, I'll just do the thing because nobody really cares how I feel anyway. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that's why conscious thought work is not is not always going to do the trick because some of this is like really kind of hidden unconscious thoughts. Yeah. So the feelings are trapped in your body, but you have to do the thought work with the feelings work because you have to identify it to figure out. And I do like that piece because you really um, jumped onto the envy piece and the envy really does make you, can help you to realize that it's resentment. It's not just anger or annoyance. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, this has been very fascinating and interesting <laughs> and fun. Well, thanks for having me on. Um, where can people find you if they want to learn more about um, no BS lifestyles? <laughs> My website is www.thebrainbs.com. Yeah. And I have a Facebook group called the Brain BS Podcast Community. Nice. Great. Awesome. We'll do, we'll link to everything, of course, but sometimes people like to just go grab it. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. It was fun talking about resentment. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.